Radio. Hello there, folks, and thank you for listening to the show. I'm Joanna. I'm Nate, and we are Stranger Than. This time around, we're trying sort of a uh, a new thing, for us anyway. Switching it up a bit. Switching it up a bit. You know, it's been over 100 episodes of a sort of one-topic format, and so now we're going to sort of change that. We'll be coming at you with our own individual things, maybe some news stories, maybe, you know, some just tales of true crime or mysterious supernatural what have yous but it'll be more assorted assorted there you go that's that's the word we'll have an assorted variety of strange and unusual topics that's right so this time we're going to be talking about a newly some new information on an archaeological site in germany we have a listener story and we have a tale of murder most foul Yes, another murder most foul. I just love murder most foul. Murder most foul, unsolved British true crime. Just I don't know. That's your bag. That is one hundred percent my jam. Well, why don't we start out with your tale of true crime? All right. Well, this is one that's a little bit more well known. Probably a lot of other. Podcasts, YouTube channels, and documentaries have been made about it. This is the story of the mystery, I should say, of Bella in the Witch Elm. Bella in the Witch Elm. Yes, and that's witch spelled W-Y-C-H. So this takes place in Wales? (laughs) No, a, a witch elm tree is a specific type of tree, and it is one of the it's a tree that has like a lot of different branches and sections to the trunk. So it, it kind of, it's like a viney tree. Interesting. Like hardened vines. Like, you know, when you see those ones in the, o- at the ocean that the roots are all kind of above ground. Yeah. It's kind of like that, except it's more like going up the trunk and branches, those twisty viney trunks and long twisty branches. Interesting. Well, before I get going, real quick, I'll name my sources here, which would be an article by Jamie Bean on Medium.com, CrimeReads.com, and an article on AmusingPlanet.com by uh, Koshik Patorari. Probably butchered the hell out of that. Sorry, Koshik. Koshik. (laughs) Whatever. Whatever. Oh, yeah, I I took a look at those trees. Those are some weird-looking things. Yeah, they're pretty creepy-looking, and they're already kind of associated with um, black magic and such. I believe it. They they appear to be wildly different from one another. They all look kind of similar, but each one is, like, very, very... Like, some of them have really fat trunks, and some have, like, thinner trunks with more branches and stuff. And I would imagine that has to do with where they're growing and whether they are trimmed. The The particular witch elm that Bella was found in, there was evidence that it had been pruned to keep it from growing too big. Interesting. And it's interesting all this viney stuff. Like, there are a shit ton of vines here in Kansas, which I wouldn't have realized. Like, my backyard is a goddamn jungle right now because there's just all these viney tree-like plants that grow not only are there like regular vines there's like two different species of like regular vine growing all over my fences in addition to that there's some poison oak vine growing which i gotta get rid of yeah yay (laughs) that's nice and then there's all these different varieties of like tree vines and they'll actually start to grow like tiny trees and the vines will grow all big and the branches will grow all big like there's been a couple that have shot up like four feet since winter. Wow. It's just like an instant tree in your yard from like one season to the next. What the hell did Kansas look like before white people got their hands on it? Yeah. I don't know. 
but yeah, they're, they're these like just invasive viney trees that just start growing everywhere and you have to keep cutting them back like all the freaking time. It's insane. So that sounds yeah. fun. It's literally a jungle in my yard right now because it's been so hot. I haven't been wanting to do yard work by the time I maybe would want to go out and do some yard work. Like the hottest part of the day is over. That's when I'm like out making deliveries and such. So I'd have to like start like really early in the morning and I'm just not a morning person. If I'm no, not, ha- not, if I don't currently have a job that is requiring me to get up super early in the mornings, which is not the thing right now, uh, I'm not fucking doing it. So let's be fair, Joanna. If there's yeah. a job that requires you to wake up in the morning, you're going to be late. Yes. And I'm just going to like train them like, like I did with my last job where I just willed them to my own schedule yeah, like, to Sorry. where eventually it went from like 745 to like 10 in the morning was when I showed up. I will come when I want. And in turn, <laughs> I will do a wonderful job for you. I will. I am a very hard worker. I'm yes, just you not, are. you know, mornings are just not, not a morning day. person. Yep. Not at all. Well, the tale begins on April 18th, 1943, and that's when four teenage boys were out scavenging for wood in a place called Hagley Woods. So it's 1943 in England. Ball deep in World War II. England is just suffering terribly. Uh, At that point, I don't think they're actually suffering the London Blitz, but it's hard to get supplies there, and there's a lot of rationing. Yes, there's a lot of rationing, a lot of people going hungry, and that is why these four boys are out in the woods, because they're actually trespassing. Uh, The land belonged to, uh, it was part of the Hagley Hall estate, which belonged to Lord Cobham. Lord Cobham. Mm Mm-hmm. Sounds like a corn and pig dish. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's literally C-O-B-H-A-M. Cobham. All right. It's probably pronounced Cobham. Cobham, yes. Lord Cobham. They were trespassing, but they were out there foraging in the forest because they were hoping to find some eggs in bird nests. They were hoping to scavenge some eggs to, to boil, have with their tea, maybe. And also maybe poach a rabbit or two if they were really lucky. So essentially, yeah, they're starving and they're out there foraging the forest and trespassing, trying to look for a little extra food. Yeah, understandable. Yeah, absolutely. The boys' names were Bob Hart, Tom Willits, Fred Payne, and Bob Farmer. And they were all from the uh, nearby village of Birmingham. Now, it was Bob Farmer who found Bella. He saw the witch elm. And decided he was going to climb up into it and look for a nest with some eggs in it. Once he climbed up partway up the tree, he looked down in the, the, there's like a hollow space in the trunk of the tree. Because it's like kind of like these, you know, vines that kind of just twist around themselves is what makes up the trunk. So he looked down into the hollow space and saw a large white object. Now, obviously, it was not a gigantic egg. Ostriches don't generally nest in trees, especially not in the United Kingdom. No. That would be very unusual. I'm sure that would have been a great find. Yeah. uh, Ostrich eggs are fucking big. Yeah, they are. What he saw in the tree was, in fact, a skull. A human skull. Appeared to have a little bit of hair. Still attached to it. Yeah, it was a... Understandably, Bob was a little bit startled, but at some point, his friends gathered, and I don't know, I wonder if they were, like, daring each other to do this. They grab a stick and kind of fish it out from within the hollow of the tree trunk. It's like the British stand by me. (laughs) Seriously. So they're like, okay, after uh, prying it out of the tree trunk, it's, it's like, yeah, that's a fucking human skull, all right. And the boys made a pact to never speak of it again. They put the skull back into the tree and said, let's never speak of this again because it's kind of freaky. Also, they didn't want to get in trouble for being on Lord Cobham's land. Yeah, yeah. They're- Trespassing. 
as they they're said. trespassing. So they were like, yeah, I'm just going to put the skull back and we're never, ever going to speak of this ever again and let's get the fuck out of here, so on and so forth. Well, the weight of what they had found would sit heavily upon Tom Willits all that evening, and I don't know if it was that night or the next day, but he told his parents pretty quick <laughs> about what happened. He's like, okay, so we found a fucking Apparently, skull in like, Cobb's land, and yeah. uh, dreadfully sorry. <laughs> Apparently, uh, Never Speak of This Again had a shelf life of about 24 hours. Right. So he told his parents, and his parents notified the police, and the police go to Hagley Woods and they had to actually cut the tree down in order to get the woman's body out. It would later be determined that the skeletal remains were that of a woman. The tree itself was five to six feet tall with an opening that had tapered down to as narrow as uh, 17 inches in diameter. So a foot and a half. Just yeah. under a foot and a half. Mm-hmm. Pretty narrow, and they determined there was just no way she could have, like, actually gotten herself wedged in there. Like, Let she would have had to have been yeah. dead to get stuffed in there. It's like, I mean, you don't find a, an alive, typically you don't find someone alive, like, in a suitcase. Like, <laughs> no. when you have to, like, wedge somebody in there when they're, like, dead. Not unless it's some been, fucking, like, uh magician shit you know or exactly something like that some coney island craziness Mm-hmm. well same scenario they just didn't think that there was any way she could have um stuffed herself in there when she was alive although she would have had to have been pretty freshly dead she would have had to have been killed right there or in the nearby vicinity because it would have been impossible to stuff her in the tree when after rigor mortis had sent in well, rigor mortis doesn't last forever. It, it does, and it comes bit. and it goes, but the the time after it goes, then it's, I don't know. You're still not as pliable as you are when you're freshly dead. Right, and freshly I mean, dead. that would indicate that you had the body for some time. You had a place to, like, stash it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So, more than likely, she was killed in the nearby vicinity and stuffed down there pretty quick before... The, uh, you know, killer killers got the hell out of Dodge. In addition to her skeletal remains, uh, they discovered a imitation gold wedding band. And they found the bones of her hand. Her hand had been removed, they think, prior to death. Although with skeletal, only skeletal remains, it's, it's difficult to tell. But her hand it seemed to have been removed and finger bones were found on the ground around the tree That's and they also crazy. found like <laughs> cheap clothes and it was thought that cause of death death was asphyxiation because there was a piece of taffeta found like stuffed in the mouth of the skeleton right like it had been stuffed down her throat there's another version that says the boys said that they had used uh, a piece of fabric attached to the stick to pry the skull out. So, and so that could have been what that was? That could have been what that was, or she did have the actual piece of fabric stuffed down her throat. Since it's skeletonized, it's, it's, really, it's really, you know, anyone's guess as far as some of the facts go. Yo, oh, yeah. It seemed that she was only about uh, five feet tall. That's 1.52 meters. She had light brown hair. She had some pretty jacked teeth. So her teeth were really, really crooked. Yeah, well, you know, it's... uh, Between... There's that stereotype of the United Kingdom having bad teeth and... I think it's just because they didn't have anything. They had like people only went to the dentist when they had problems there. They weren't doing cosmetic dentistry as much as there was in the United States. 
Right. Not everyone, not everyone is getting braces. Exactly. And I'm sure in the 1940s, it was probably less in the United States like that as well. I'm since sure. At that point, dentistry was probably still more akin to torture than an actual medical procedure. I'm so spoiled, but I still feel like dentistry is torture now. And I, you know, probably getting the best that there is. Well, so back far. in the day, if you needed to have your tooth out, there'd be one dude holding you down by the shoulders or whatever. And another yeah. guy like prying in your mouth with some pliers trying to yank that rotten tooth out. When mm. the, the, the anesthetic you got was maybe a little bit of laudanum and a mouthful of whiskey. Yeah, that sounds awful. Yeah, that sounds absolutely horrendous. Although, I have to say, yeah, nowadays, now they're all trying to be like, hey, now we're not going to give you nitrous anymore, if you don't have insurance, at least. And I'm That's just like, dumb. yeah, no, I don't want to be tortured. Thank you. Just like, go buy some cans of whipped cream and huff that shit and be like, okay, quick, quick, quick. <laughs> Excuse me for one moment. I'm going to just, like, turn my head away. Just bury it in my purse. And <laughs> That's right. I just got to take a quit. Or, you know, you go to the porno stores and you get there the, the nitrous cartridges. Yeah. 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 I'd rather not have to resort to that. I'd yeah, need no. to get some dental insurance and find a dental dentist that doesn't, you know, that cares about patients being comfortable. Yeah, it doesn't torture you. Exactly. It doesn't punish you for being, you know, poor and uninsured, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like the rest of America. Exactly. Exactly. The woman was determined to be between 35 and 40 years old. It was also determined that she had given birth to at least one child in her lifetime. They estimated that she had been dead for about 18 months. So that put her uh, time of death around October 1941. That sucks. Mm-hmm. See, now at this point you think that... It it would be somewhat easy to find out who it was. Like, hey, have you had a missing loved one? Yeah. Well, but I guess the I problem guess is there's probably a lot of missing loved ones between 1941 and 1943 because, I mean, England got bombed pretty. Well, for like nine months. The London right, Blitz but, I mean, didn't even last look, that long. I mean, look at some of our u.s serial killer stories from like you know 70s and on where it's like they find victims and they can't identify them that's true yeah that's i mean the, people just disappear and nobody misses them and that's awful but or they do happens. miss them but there's so many people that have disappeared that right they just you can't nail it down just don't yeah don't sometimes it's just blind luck that one you know one county or city's uh, somebody from there, like, looks in some other, happens to come across some other record and from somewhere else and put the pieces together. Some people just don't get those pieces put together. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're all there, but they're, you know. Not, yeah, not not there enough to be able to figure it out. Exactly. Well, they used dental records and searched through all the missing persons reports, and they couldn't find uh, any matches. They could not figure out who the woman was. Now, about a year later, some graffiti was found on an abandoned building in Birmingham. And it said, Who put Bella down the witch elm Hagley Wood? Question mark. Another house had been graffitiing. Apparently, when the police were investigating the graffiti or looking into it, uh, it was found out that another house had been graffitied a, f a couple months prior, and the words, who put Lou Bella down the witch elm, question mark, was found on the side of this house. And it was in the same handwriting as the other graffiti found on the building. And I think it might have popped up a couple of places. It started kind of like picking up in, in the the local town of Birmingham there. And Yeah. Well, who did put... Bella in the Witch Elm, and that's how she is known as Bella to this day. Now, the guy who did the graffiti was actually caught in 1953, and he was wow, found to have, like... really? Yeah. He so was they, just they this... caught him, like, fucking ten years later? <laughs> I don't know. They can figure out who graffiti decided in a couple of buildings, but they can't figure out who this dead woman is in the tree. <laughs> Seriously. But I don't know. 
cases are a little different. So, the guy was caught in 1953, but ultimately he was found to have absolutely nothing to do with the unidentified murdered woman in the tree. And he was just basically some crank out there just trying to get a rise out of people. <laughs> just being a troll. Just, just basically, yeah, being a troll. And uh, even so, though, the name Bella has stuck to this day because she's never been identified. And, yeah, nice why not? Why They're not? huge fans of Twilight. <laughs> so there are a few different theories as to who murdered Bella and how she ended up stuffed into the witch elm. First and foremost was that she was a human sacrifice. It was devil worshippers practicing black magic. Yeah, because devil worshippers, man, it's a big Either problem. Devil worshippers practicing black magic or she was thought to be a witch and it was some, you know, maybe not very uh, forward thinking locals who decided she was a witch and had to do something about it. Right. As opposed to the forward-thinking locals who are like, it's Satanists! Right, exactly. Just a lot of forward-thinking in general. <laughs> True. Hagleywood was rumored to have had more than a few covens of witches over the last several centuries. And also there have been legends of an ancient tradition of trapping a witch's spirit inside a hollow tree to prevent her from doing further harm. Another version is you just straight up imprison the witch in a tree, and that keeps her from doing harm. Another thing that led to the theory, uh, like the occult theory, is the severed hand. Uh... Uh, anthropologists at the time said it resembled the occult's ritual of the Hand of Glory. Oh, the glory hand? The glory hand. Is that when you just, like, make a, like, circle shape with your hand and then someone fucks it? <laughs> not exactly. Oh. It's not as cool as that. All right. Well, what is it? The Hand of Glory. I'm gonna, just going to read this, this article uh, by, by Kaushik Pachareri because he summed it up very well. The Hand of Glory is thought to have magical powers. It's basically when you, paraphrasing here a little bit, but when you hang somebody and you chop their hand off and then preserve it, you can then use that hand for all sorts of magical uh, nefarious things. So, like, it's not used for good fancy, magic. Fancy yeah. masturbation. Not fancy masturbation. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Okay. There's actually in North Yorkshire at the Whitby Museum. There is a hand of glory there on display. And does that one jack you off? It does not. It would. It's very stiff and mummified, and it's stiff oh, like yeah. like it's going to give you a high five. It's not in the jacking That's off not position very at all. That, yeah. You could spank somebody with the hand. That's cool. That's you could cool. use it for spanking. Well, that's. But that's about it. That's fine. That's fine. I'll spank okay. someone with a dead hand. Apparently, the Whitby the Whitby Museum Hand of Glory uh, came uh, from a man who was hanged from the gallows for an unknown crime. This hand was actually, it was discovered hidden in the wall of a thatched cottage in Castleton by a stonemason and a local historian named Joseph Ford and was donated to the museum in 1935. And then to paraphrase the use of the hand of glory you so you cut it off you hung the witch or the whoever and then you cut the hand off and then you were supposed to make a candle from the fat of the deceased person and you basically used the mummified hand you salted it and pickled it and you used it to either hold the castle made from the person's fat or you could anoint the hand and fingers with oil and light the fingers themselves on fire 
and you could take the hand and you could go to someone's house at night and for every finger that would light, that would mean that was a person you were putting a person like in a charmed sleep so that you could like break into their house and steal things. Apparently people tried this on more than one occasion, but usually it didn't work. Somehow the hand was just not accurate. Weird. And if you could light like all four fingers, but not the thumb, it meant that someone in the house was still awake, even though you, you know, approached it with the magical hand that was supposed to put everyone to sleep in the house. But yeah, primarily it was to uh, just rob the shit out of people. And it was thought to be like a charmed thing, but really you're just carrying around like a dead gross hand. <sighs> And probably going to get charged and caught and charged with, you know, breaking and entering and such. More than likely. More than likely. That dead hand is not going to do you a whole lot of good. And it's pretty no. gross. Yes. So the hand being removed from Bella, they were kind of like, well, that seems like maybe they were trying to do the hand of glory ceremony. And <laughs> except that they left the hand behind. So, you need the hand for the hand of glory ceremony. That's why. Yeah, that's kind of the like, whole point. Yeah, it's in it's, it's it's in the name. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they started off thinking she was a witch, and they're like, "Oh, we should do the hand of glory on her after we stuff her into this elm." And then they like get her hand cut off, and then maybe their taste for it just kind of like falls away. Like, you know what? I'm not as into this as I thought I would be. Let's just leave the hand behind on the ground. Probably. Like, we just did some awful, awful shit. Like, you know, uh, I'm kind of losing my taste for this a little bit. I, uh, my, my eyes were a little bit bigger than my stomach when it <laughs> <Yeah>. came, to, <laughs> came to doing this. <laughs> eyes are a little bit bigger than my stomach. Yep. Now, the other theory is that she was a Nazi spy of some sort. Goddamn Nazis. Yeah, a couple of different stories. I mean, obviously the spy thing comes in. I mean, the country is at war. I'm sure there's spies. Oh, there's tons of I'm spies. I'm sure there's spy stuff going on. Super easy Why to, uh, like, walk around America as a German person because everyone thinks you're just some regular fucking cracker. And not the uber cracker. That's right. Well... There's a journalist named Wilfred By Byford Jones, and in 1953, he was doing some stories about Bella of the Witch Elm and trying to, you know, hey, whatever happened? Because by this time, it's been 10 years since she was found. Yeah, no shit. It was probably 10 days since they stopped talking about it. Well, it was a big thing in Birmingham, okay? Yeah, there's like a 10-day news cycle. I wonder if it was the same, the same way back then. He receives an anonymous letter. I mean, not 100%, but it's like, hey, call me Anna. Probably not a real name. In fact, definitely not a real name. And the letter to him said, quote, Finish your articles regarding the witch elm crimes by all means. They are interesting to the readers, but you'll never solve the mystery. One person who could give the answers is now beyond the jurisdiction of earthly courts. Much as I hate having to use a nom de plume. I think that's Ooh. how you pronounce it. Yeah, nom de plume. It's a pseudonym. Yes. Writer's name. I think you would appreciate it if you knew me. The only clues that I can give you are that the person responsible for the crime died insane in 1942, and the victim was Dutch and alive illegally in England about 1941. I have no wish to recall any more. Anna from Claverly is how it was signed. She went on to claim that Bella was an informant for a Nazi spy ring and that her job as a spy was to find local munitions factories and obviously report that information back to the Germans so that the, uh, the Luftwaffe could bomb the shit out of them. Yeah, because... Uh... To begin with, Hitler didn't want, he wanted England to just to stop. He always called it England, never United Kingdom. But he wanted the United Kingdom to stop fighting. It was just like, I don't, I don't want anything to do with you. Just fucking stop fighting. But they goddamn didn't. And it's a good fucking thing they did. Well, yes. Hitler's just like, damn it, England, I really don't want to do this. I'm not really after you. There's plenty of other people I got. I tried to exterminate. Will you just stop trying to intervene on that? Like, 
it's it's absolutely it amazing what that small island country did uh, to stand uh, standing up against the Nazis. I mean, they were fucking badass. Hell yeah, it was some serious fucking shit. Eventually, Hitler, Hitler was just like, "Well, I guess we're going to go after Russia then because, well, this isn't working." And yeah. like, hey, shit on dumb fuck Hitler. That didn't work out so well for him either. Yeah, I'm glad nothing in the end worked out for Hitler. It's just, unfortunately, that so many things did for so long. Yes, definitely. Anna, who would later be discovered by police to be Yuna Mossop, said that the man who had taken part in the murder of Bella was none other, none other than her own husband, Jack Mossop, and a friend that he had that worked at an ammunition factory. Oh, good. So the friend was apparently a Dutchman by the name of Von Raitt. R-A-I-T. I'm not quite sure how you're supposed to pronounce that. Sounds good to me. Van Raid is how I'm going to... Kind of like Van Wilder. Yeah, yeah. Except that's, less that's wacky how I'm gonna and go more... With. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not wacky, I guess. Yeah, more Dutch and... Um, yeah. Way more Dutch. <laughs> so, Bella was the girlfriend of Van Raid, and they were part of the, you know, informational spy ring, gathering the info, and supposed to be relaying that back to the Nazis so the munition factories can get bombed. And how Bella ended up dead is that at one point, Jack and Van were out at a bar drinking. And Bella got, like, super drunk and sloppy and embarrassed Van Raet. And they decided to take her out. And they she was, like, kind of, like, blackout drunk and passed out at this point. And they took her in the woods and they stuffed her in the witch elm. Because she was just drunk and disorderly and thinking that she would, like, learn her lesson and she would wake up later and... Be just like, oh, I guess I shouldn't have drank so much. I ended up stuffed into a tree. Right. My bad. But instead. <laughs> but instead, she ended up dying. And. Yeah, it was it was pretty interesting. Yuna's own words on that was. March or April 1941 said he had been to the Littleton Arms with Van Ray and the Dutch piece. And she had gotten awkward and passed out. They went to a wood and stuck her in a hollow tree. Van Rate said that she would come to her senses the following morning. Which apparently she did not. She did not. And apparently her husband Jack felt very guilty and had nightmares for months following the incident. And about a year after the incident, he was admitted to a mental hospital, and he died shortly thereafter. Ultimately, Yuna's story was discredited because police felt that she was probably just looking to get the reward money, because there had been a substantial amount of reward offered for any information that led to, you know, finding out who Bella was and how she fucking died. Yeah, yeah. They... We're pretty sure that probably she was just making a lot of this up in order to hopefully get the reward money. Who and wouldn't? so, yeah. So they investigated, but ultimately dismissed the story. There was another spy story. And it was suggested that Bella was the girlfriend of a Gestapo agent, Josef Jacobs. He parachuted into Cambridge. In 1941. <laughs> he was captured when he came over. Yeah, and... what an idiot. I mean, he's a Nazi, <laughs> so he's already a fucking idiot, but... That's right. Like, what even more of an idiot? When he was captured, they found a picture of a woman with the name Clara written on it. Now, according... To Yosef Jacobs, Clara was his girlfriend, also a spy, and I guess eventually he, he said that she had also parachuted into England around the same time he did. I don't know if he said that, like, right away, or this is later when he's being questioned about it. Right, and he's like, no, no, she did it too. 
I wouldn't imagine that he would have given that up immediately because, like, what if she didn't get captured? She could probably still get all her spy stuff done. Yeah, totally. You know, no, no loyal uh, soldier of the Reich is going to be, you know, that dumb to just give the other person up. Not unless he's actually not a loyal member of the Reich, but... Right. I guess if you're... Which would actually be a lot cooler, but... (laughs) Yeah. Being a member of the Reich? Not cool at all. Yeah, not so cool. Good fucking riddance to all those dead Nazi fucks. Well, no matter what your affiliation, you're not a very good fucking spy if you get caught immediately (laughs) and then immediately like, oh, hey, this other person also came in by parachute. Have you gotten them yet? Yeah. So, I mean, why are you getting me? Because they did it, too. You know, and then they're like, who are they? And, uh, like, oops. Like, uh, no one. No. Who are they? Who are any of us, really? <laughs> yeah. Clara was actually a German cabaret singer, at least, the, at least the Clara in the picture, was a German cabaret singer, and her full name was Clara Barley. And apparently she had disappeared at around the same time that Yosef was captured. And it was rumored that she was involved in a spy network and that, you know, that's what got her killed after she parachuted into England. But this has also been debunked because Clara Barley was 5 feet 8 inches or... 177 centimeters. That's actually pretty tall for a woman at that time. Yeah. Whereas Bella was only five feet tall. Oh, that's Then also, um, there's records showing that Clara died in a hospital in Berlin in 1942. So obviously, she's not the, you know, woman stuffed into the tree in late 1941. Yeah. Sounds like she's not. (laughs) Yeah. So none of none of the spy th- spy theories really panned out, and whether or not this was anything to do with witchcraft really can't be proven. There was never any uh, candles or any kind anything found on the scene <laughs> that would indicate anything. witchcraft. Like, well, they uh, there's no pentagrams. Or we didn't find any brooms. Um, no, no wands. Uh, Not one reference to Harry Potter. No pointy hats. No pointy Um, hats. No warts. mm -mm. No flying monkeys. I don't know. I I don't see witches. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, part of the reason they thought that she was a spy was because of the imitation gold ring, that it might have been like a cover or something. My thinking is, I I think maybe she was just like a sex worker that nobody missed, that somebody randomly killed. I mean, maybe she had the gold ring on not to, like, fool people because it was a cover for her being a spy, but just to, I mean, it's 1943 England, like, yeah, you know. Spruce herself up. I wonder how many sex workers there were during World War II. I mean, how much money had people had extra money to be spending on? Right. But, you know, it well, could be. Well, I know, but, but then, of course, the, you know, local police sources are probably stretched really thin. So it seems like oh, there's definitely. probably debauchery plenty going on. But also, there's not a lot of, I mean, there's, there's fewer men around because they're all off fighting in the war. I don't know. I feel like she was somebody that, I don't know, maybe somebody just, I think somebody just randomly killed her and was too lazy to dig a grave. It could have been, because, you know... Like, I'm just going to stuff her in this fucking tree. She'll be pretty hidden from view in this tree. And, I mean, he climbs up, he kind of takes, you know, a visual measurement, like, yeah, that'll do, and stuffs her in there. As history tells us, I mean, women have been uh, one of... have been a greatly disparaged group. Yes. Probably the most disparaged group throughout history, so I wouldn't be overly surprised if it was just some rando killing some woman, because... Who's mad about yeah. whatever? I mean, I say sex workers just because they're you know in a, in the demographic where they're least likely to be missed. Yeah, that's true. So that might explain why. I mean, yeah, the foreign spy thing would also explain why she doesn't match any of the missing persons descriptions that they had. But also, <laughs> there's like I said, I mean, People, there, there's people that just disappear all the time, and maybe yeah, they are missed, yeah. but that doesn't mean that 
the, the authorities cop, the, give a shit. The, the authorities that are in the proximity of where she's found actually know about it. Or give a shit. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was somebody who didn't like Lord Cobham, and he's like, you know what? He ends up with a dead body in his hand. He's like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking stuff it in a tree on Lord Cobham's property. Yeah, we'll, we'll get him in trouble. Yeah, well, at least a little bit of scandal attached to his name. Although the, how long did you say the thing had been dead for? Eighteen months. About eighteen months. A year and a half. Mm-hmm. Hell, it could have been someone trying to escape the bombs and they hid in a tree and then got stuck. Yeah. Although that seems been. pretty unlikely. The thing about forests is they're not real very they're not really strategic yeah. targets for military operations. No. Unless you're trying to get like Robin Hood and his merry men. Yeah. Which I don't think the Germans were really I don't I don't think they they cared about They didn't about, care about that in World War 2. Yeah, they didn't care about World War 2 time Robin Hood. No. Yeah. No, not so much. But they weren't like bombing the forest just in case he was out there maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, I, d- I doubt it. I, r- I yeah. very much doubt it. Yeah, highly unlikely. Although people, a lot of people were killed in the areas, who knows? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I don't know if I would climb into a tree. No, I wouldn't. If bombs were coming down. But, I mean, and, and again, who's bombing a fucking forest? And right. sure, maybe errant bombs, but I'm sure the story would have mentioned that it was a bombed area. I mean, right. When bombs hit forests, there tend to be less trees in the vicinity. From the, and you know, speaking the of bomb. air raids, she, it was also theorized that she could have been thought to have been killed in an air raid, and so no uh, missing person, person's um, oh, report yeah. was ever made on her because True. people, you know, living especially in like the Greater London area, they had like apartment houses and stuff that were just completely blown blown to smithereens sometimes you only found a tiny piece of somebody or you know something that someone thought that they were wearing at the time there is practically nothing left of them so it could be that she lived in a in an apartment house or a house that got bombed and everyone just assumed that she was dead anyways yeah yeah. i mean that's very true i mean yeah they don't have really time to go through the wreckage like they do like in florida they had time to go through the wreckage in that fucking building. Because yeah. there there were not Nazis flying over every night bombing the fucking balls out of the place. Yes. So, uh, in addition to having fewer first responders, they also didn't have the amount of time to really put forth to looking. Yeah. And even if they did back then, how are they going to... I mean, if you find someone horribly burned, how the hell are you going to identify the body? Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't have tattoos. That's right. one of the reasons I have tattoos, is so that I can leave an identifiable corpse. Yes. <laughs> Although, if you were completely skeletonized, that wouldn't be any use to anyone. That's true. If I was completely skeletonized, that's nothing. Like like poor Bella. So, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure this is a mystery that I'll be never solved, ever. Oh, you're we'll probably never right. Yeah, we'll we'll never know who who put Bella in the witch elm, but it's it's an interesting one for sure. Oh, definitely. That's a it's a sad story. It's too bad. It is, and just how weird is that? It's pretty probable that she didn't deserve that, but I mean, maybe no. she did. Who knows? Well, let's move over to Germany in the more recent times. All right, not quite the whole, uh, you know, Nazi not World times. War Two time. Okay. No. Not not the shitty time of Germany. And we're going to talk about the new discoveries at Ringheiligtim Pomelte, which is probably not how that is pronounced. But what are you going to do? Uh, this is a site that was discovered in Germany in 1991. Uh, they found it by using aerial photography. I don't know if they were just flying around taking pictures of remote locations or what. Or maybe it was just something that you didn't, notice except from the air so what it is is it's a series of rings there's seven concentric rings of ditches and humps and they found that on the humps that's where they put the wooden posts oh it was like palisades you know mm-hmm. and which is just 
basically a wooden fence. It could be steel, but in this case, it was wooden. Uh, the total size is about 380 feet at its width, so a diameter, I guess. It was thought this was an astrological observatory used for rituals. I mean, pretty much how Stonehenge was in England. They had it aligned so that it, it lined up certain things for um, the winter and the summer solstice. Just just like Stonehenge. These henges, there's tons of these henges all throughout Europe and the United Kingdom. Uh, they're not all stone. Most of them are actually wooden, which is probably why they're not quite so well-known, is because wood Rots. doesn't last as long as stone. Unless uh, it becomes petrified, and then it's like stone. That's right, but the, the petrification requires a very specific set of circumstances. Yes, it definitely does not just happen. No, no, it does not. Nowadays, if you go, if you were to go there tomorrow, this site has the wooden posts placed back in there, and I, I guess they have found some like bits of the wooden posts, or they just from other sites they believe it was painted and carved in a certain way. But it's supposed to be quite like they were in the past. Excavations of the site have turned up the dismembered remains of mainly women and children some of which, most of which, show signs of skull damage or broken, and or broken ribs. They also discovered 13 graves of adult men that appear to have been buried more formally, so with stuff and maybe with, like, with their arms crossed or in, in uh, caskets or something like that. The women and children were found in just a pit as if they had just been dumped into the pit, like the bodies had been tossed into the pit after they'd been killed. Or, well, it's just women and children, so... Yeah, who needs them? Fuck them, right? Or the pit itself was a place where human sacrifices were conducted and the bodies were just let fall into the pit. They also discovered 20 other ditches and around 130 dwellings, 80 of which were homes. The earliest things found date back to 2800 BCE and share some aspects of a culture called the Bell Beaker culture. A bell beaker is a sort of cup. It looks kind of like, you know, your traditional bell, like ding, 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 bell. It looks like that, but upside down. So you could, with no handle. And so it's a cup, it's like a drinking cup, a beaker, a cup. The Most of the houses and the more more recent dwellings were built around 2200 BCE, and they have been identified as being built by the Unitice culture. And the Unitice culture was a culture that directly followed the Bell Beaker culture. Uh, the Bell Beaker culture, I believe, lasted until, uh, I think, I think they lasted until 2300 BCE, and then the Unitice culture started around 2300 BCE and lasted until 1680 BCE. They are currently excavating this. This is all very recent news. This, uh, some of these discoveries were things they found in May of 2021. And um, they're going to continue digging in this site until October of this year, of 2021. Some of the discoveries they found here at this site has started leading archaeologists to believe that perhaps the henge phenomena or whatever started in mainland Europe and then moved its way to the United Kingdom. Uh, another thing they find very interesting about this site is that uh, there were dwellings, there were homes. People fucking lived in these places. And so these executions or sacrifices to happen so close to dwellings indicate that it would have been really shitty to live there. The women and oh, children yeah. were probably fucking terrified all of the time because I mean, they, they don't know exactly why they were sacrificed. Uh, the problem with Germany and knowing its past is the Romans. The Romans obliterated all of the old religion. So we believe that German religion back in the day was very similar to Norse, but we know very little about it. We don't have the stories like we do with the Greeks or even the Norse or... Uh, even the Native Americans, we have more information on their religion than we do early Germans. So that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty wild thing. I actually, I knew there were more than just Stonehenge, but I didn't realize that there were 
tons of these henge sites. Yeah, well, this is a pretty grim one, considering the human sacrifice pit and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the only thing I can imagine is the reason that it hadn't been found before uh, was because it needed to be seen from from above. Uh, This is just maybe 150 miles at the most uh, southwest of Berlin. Wow. So it's not in the middle of, like, nowhere Germany or something. It's a... It's an area with with people that's had people for some time. That's I mean, crazy. I guess, obviously, I would give anything to go see that. I would give anything to have been part of that excavation. How oh cool yeah, is that? Uh, the, yeah. To be part of it right now, I, I'm. Sh- I would imagine it was probably something they would have started doing last year, but it was the whole apocalypse pandemic thing, so they couldn't yeah. actually do any sort of real archaeology. But yeah, May to October. What is that? Uh, five months. Yeah. Yeah, so they have the five months there and I imagine after October the weather just gets to be shit and so they can't do it anymore. Yeah. Probably but hopefully not they come up conducive. with more information and uh, if not this year then hopefully it continues next year. Yeah, how cool is that? Yeah, very interesting. To conclude our show, I'd like to read a listener story. It's from a listener called Justin. Thank you for uh, your story, Justin. Thank you, Justin. I'm actually, I don't know if he's okay with sharing his name. So if he's not, I'm going to tell him before this comes out. If he's not okay, then we're just going to beep his name out. And you all all can realize that it's a real name. I'm going to read exactly what he says. Word for word. And uh, here we go. Over the past year and a half, I have listened and enjoyed your podcast and have had the pleasure of getting to know the both of you through Facebook. In the last two episodes, you have mentioned about sharing listener stories. Just so happens that I have one. It was real, but I want to say that everything may not be correlated with each other, but they also could be correlated with each other according to the timeline and places where the events took place. I have told my wife about what has happened in the past. She never believed me until it happened to her. I know it's starting to sound like a setup for a movie, but this is my real story. Shadow person? Demon? Guardian angel? I'll start off by saying that I am a firm believer of the paranormal and extraterrestrials. If they can't be proven, it doesn't exist, then it exists until science proves the occurrences are explained. I grew up in a mild religious family. My father was a Catholic, and my mother was a Protestant. Shockingly, They never argued about their ways of believing. Guess that's why it was mild. I think they just went to church to make my grandparents happy since they were hardcore in their faiths. All but one of my grandparents have passed away and neither of my parents go to church anymore. I went to St. Andrew's Elementary School in Rock Falls, Illinois, St. Mary's Middle School in Sterling, Illinois, and did two years of high school at Newman Central Catholic High School, also in Sterling. Jesus Christ, that's a lot of religious schools. I'm so sorry, my friend. I finished my junior and senior year in my hometown at Prophetstown High School. So growing up with my grandparents and going to Catholic school, I was force-fed to obey the Ten Commandments, fear God, and to fear the devil most importantly. Was told if I were to beat off, I'd burn in hell. My afterlife path was already chosen in seventh grade. Ha ha ha. Ah, that's good. As when it's chosen for many a Almost, every, almost yeah. everybody. Yes. Satanic panic, as you talked about, was so real for me growing up. I literally feared the devil and demons. My birthday is June 18th, which is four days after my birthday and the birthday of one of my friends. But for my... That was my commentary again. But for my 12th birthday, I wanted it to be celebrated on a weekend. I had my birthday party on June 21st, 1997. That was like a week after I graduated high school. (laughs) It was an odd day from the start. It was insanely humid. It wasn't cloudy, but the sun wasn't fully shining. It was a light gray haze on our farm. It was miserably hot. In the afternoon, I was in a little wooded area near our house gathering wood for the bonfire later. My My dad said that it might not be necessary to gather much since they were calling for severe storms later. All my friends say about 15 of them have showed up, and we had the usual get-together that 12-year-olds have. 
basically talking shit to each other and playing the N64, which is get-togethers I have these days, complete <laughs> with the N64. It became nighttime, and we could see lightning in the distance. We live in the country on a hill with nothing blocking our view, so we can see lightning that is striking Iowa. That must be a really awesome sight, to be so high up and to see like everything all around you for hundreds of miles. Yeah. The lightning was vivid. I have never seen lightning crashing so violently and as frequent. The sky was hardly dark. Some of the bolts were slightly purple and occasionally orange. That's when shit gets real. And just thick. The storm came closer and closer. The power went out. So we were just sitting in the living room, looking out the window and watching the lightning. Getting scared, it was like the beginning of War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise. Then, out of nowhere, there was an orange ball of lightning, which are very rare and real, that crashed about ten feet in front of all of us. You could taste the smell of electricity. I have never tasted the smell of electricity. Have you? I don't think so. I have heard of those weird orange lightning bowl, balls, Oh, though. yeah, yeah. Ten feet. Can you imagine having something like that strike ten feet in front of you? I can imagine. I can imagine in my head the smell and the, the taste of electricity, though. I can't. And I can imagine how scary as fuck. Oh, it yeah. Be. We had some, we had some like, red lightning the other night on, Wild. in a thunderstorm. Yeah, it was pretty Yeah, nice. you guys are kind of in sort of the same area. Yeah, it's Midwest. Yeah, Illinois, Midwest. Kansas, yeah. Yep. Get some serious storms there, my friend. Oh, yeah. Not not like we have some serious storms around here, but it's a, a far different kind. Yeah. It was eerily still. No rain, just lightning in the clouds, no bolts. Then the wind literally sounded like a freight train coming at our house. We all managed to get into the basement. Even my fattest friend managed to grab a bag of Doritos on his way down. That's awesome. <laughs> we ended up having a tornado near our farm. Took out two of our barns, and our irrigator in the cornfield was broke into many pieces and tossed across the land. The following morning, my mom's pastor came out to make sure we were all safe. Before she left, we all gathered and said a prayer, thanking God that we were not harmed and for a safe recovery cleaning the debris up. For the next several summers, Whenever there was a severe windstorm that would roll through, I'd always get the sinking feeling like there was something just outside my bedroom door. My first occurrence, I gathered the courage to open the door and check it out. It was an old country home, so the doors were not quiet when opening them, no matter how hard you try, so I tried to be as quiet as possible. When I opened the door, I looked down the hallway towards my parents' room. Their door was closed. Some lightning went off in a matter of ten seconds. I froze. My arm hair raised. Got goosebumps. Then there was a bolt that struck close to us. I saw a silhouette of a tall, skinny figure standing in front of their door. I closed my door, stood there, quietly breathing rapidly, opened my door back up, peeking out. Lightning went off, and it was standing right in front of my door. Lightning struck again. It was gone. I went back in my room, looked out the window, and there was an ominous orange glow. Then. My grandma, who lived on the farm also, called and said there was a fire. The first close bolt struck our hay bale that was 40 feet high and around 100 feet wide, which all of it was burnt away. That is a big fucking haystack. Holy shit. They're huge. They have huge haystacks. I see them driving on the, the highways like they just have them in these giant rolls. That's wild. Because, okay. I mean, here they've got rolls of hay, but it's just you have them set out quite a, a ways from each other, not in a 40 by 100 foot stack. That shit's wild. You can yeah. live in that. Was the shadow protecting us from harm, or was it showing us that it has the power to inflict damage if provoked? I'm obsessed with severe weather. Love lightning and cloud formations. My wife gets pissed at me if I'm outside when it's getting bad. <laughs> Don't make me raise these kids alone, you son of a bitch! Right? There were a couple of occurrences when I would look out the window. There would be times when it was bright enough it would show the wall behind me in the reflection of the window I was looking through that I would see it standing right behind me. But only when bolts would hit. That happened many times over the years. I think what he's saying there is that when he would watch the lightning through the window, it would reflect this figure behind him. 
But only when a bolt, bolt struck. Only when a bolt struck, and that's probably because that's only when there was that was reflection only, in the window. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I moved to the suburbs of Chicago for two years, moved to Peoria, which I believe is also in Illinois, for four years. You mentioned Peoria in the Bigfoot episode with the salt mine creature in Lincoln, Illinois. Yes. I heard about that Bigfoot when I lived in Peoria, so it was neat hearing you talk about it, but I digress. While I was away from my home, I never had an occurrence, not a single one. Even when I watched the first paranormal activity, I would think about it, but it never showed itself. When I lived in Peoria, my dad and I went to Orlando for a week vacation. My parents just got divorced, and him and I had a night of drinking a couple beers and talking about how he felt. He is very quiet when it comes to talking about himself. He said he was struggling for a little bit with the process, but he said one night he prayed before bed asking for help. He woke up suddenly mid-sleep because he thought he heard someone saying, everything will be okay. Since then, he's been living a life of joy, and I never hear him complain about anything. Could that voice have been the shadowy figure? I moved back home, met my wife, and moved into her house within two weeks of meeting her. I knew right off she was the one. Just go for it. One night, when she was pregnant with our first son, she went to go sleep on the couch. Because she wasn't comfortable in the bed. I'm sure you can relate to that. Yeah. It's hard to get comfortable. I woke up in the middle of the night, and I just look out the door. And she's trying to say my name quietly while looking into the living room. She said she's seen a shadowy figure just slowly pacing back and forth in the archway between the living room and dining room. Our only source of light was emitted from the TV. She said she's seen it for a good 30 seconds. Started with sleep paralysis, but able to get out of it and was still pacing while she was trying to wake me. A couple weeks later, a gun was shot a couple of houses away from our house. Our son was only six days old. And we decided to move back into the house that I grew up in, the source of the shadow figure. Sounds like uh didn't want to live in a place with a whole bunch of fucking people shooting guns off. That was the last time we have seen the shadow figure, nor have we had any incident where any of us were in harm's way. We don't live in the house I grew up in anymore. We bought my grandparents' house that's on that farm. It may not seem like a demon simply because they cause harm on the people they are trying to torment if provoked. I never provoked it by telling it to fuck off or doing a Ouija board. With my religious upbringing, I basically feared demons and ghosts and just kind of told myself it wasn't real if I'd seen it. But I had seen it. It was real. Did the orange ball of lightning bring this entity to us? I haven't seen another orange ball of lightning since the night of my birthday party. Again, there were multiple people that had seen it. When the pastor said the prayer to God, thinking, thanking us for no harm and for future protection, could it be a guardian angel for my a guardian angel for my family? I have come to a crossroad with the Catholic religion, with all the shit they tried to hide recently. But that's a discussion for another day. Sorry that the story was long, but I'm trying to be as specific as possible with every detail that I remember. I was also told this stuff is fake, but when my wife had it happen to her, it became full circle. I at least knew I wasn't just seeing things. Please tell me your opinions on the subject. I'm excited to hear it. I did have some conversation with him uh, after he sent the message. And it was basically like, well, who fucking knows? Probably wasn't anything malevolent, because if it was malevolent, then it wouldn't. I don't know. Maybe malevolence and benevolence is just how you interpret something. I never fucked with them, but it never necessarily did anything bad. I could see if he had thought of things in a different way, it could have taken an either a positive or negative turn. But really, it sounds very neutral, very middle of the ground. Middle right, of the road. except that it's just scary as fuck to see some like shadow figure. Yeah, no shit. You would, you you know about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I've had the sleep paralysis and seen the shadow figures. I think it's interesting that. For both him and his wife, it seemed to be that uh, the figure only appeared when it was coming off some kind of electrical light, whether it was the lightning bolt or the light of the television set. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. That is strange. Strange, strange occurrence. Good story. But it it makes it like kind of like that much more like believable that it was there was something there that only a specific type of, of light could illuminate and show its presence. Yeah, yeah. Or or maybe 
uh, like fleeting light or like a flashing kind of light. You know how a TV sort of flashes everything. It's not a steady light like your light bulb. And lightning's the same way. It flashes and then it's gone. So maybe it's just, you know, a flash of intense light is enough to show yeah. the entity. I didn't know that. Most lights are actually like a flashing light, but a lot of times they're just flashing too quickly for us to see them. I believe that. Yeah, Jared told me that. He's full of interesting facts. Yeah, that's that sounds like something they would do. Yeah. <laughs> I I like the part where his wife gets mad at him going out on the, the porch and oh, yeah. uh, looking at the storms because me and Jarek and Scarlett do that. And like, Olivia's like, you guys get the fuck back in here. Yeah, Olivia gets really anxious. Like, we had a really bad one and where we had a, a tornado watch going on and the storm was just rolling in and you could hear it and see it just come thundering down. And she actually grabbed snacks and went to the basement, set up a little place for herself in the basement. Well, me and Jarek and Scarlett were all, like, sitting on the porch, like, gawking at it and recording it and stuff. <laughs> right. and and she even came Facebook. back out, like, yelled through the door, like, are you guys still out there? Because she was, like, convinced that somehow, like, the lightning was going to strike us and we are going to, like, disappear. Or, you know, yeah, just be, like, yeah. a pile of soot or something. Yeah, she was, like, all, all kinds of, like, pissed off that, you know, we're just like, ooh, this is so cool. And she's just like, I'm getting snacks and going to the basement. <laughs> yeah, it's weird where the voice of reason comes from sometimes. Right, right. Well, the, you know, are you guys still out there? It's like, where would we be? <laughs> well, you know, uh, Wizard of Oz happened in Kansas, so. That's that's true. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't whisked away to another realm by a shadow person. So, no, no. You know, luckily uh, that didn't happen. But yeah, I mean, thank you for sharing. That's a that's a really cool story. I yeah, mean, I 100% like. Yeah, I, I believe it. Yeah, oh yeah, I, I can don't, tell I don't you, doubt like, you at all what the fuck it is, or because I mean that's that's the thing about sleep paralysis, shadow people, um, Bigfoot. I mean, you just don't know till you do. Yeah, and even once you do, you still don't know. Yeah, that's very oh, true. Always more questions than answers when it comes to to these topics. That's that's very true. You've said it once. We'll but, say it again. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to, you know, I'm glad it was such a long, detailed story. That's awesome. Yeah, and anyone else who has stories, please send them our way. Yeah, we would As love we get them, we will to be reading read them. and yeah. share your stories. So uh, I think that's about it for today's episode. We have like to thank you all very much for listening. You can find us, any social media place that we are, under Stranger Than or Stranger Than Podcast. If you would like to listen to us from a web format, you can go to ageofradio.org slash stranger than, and that's where all our podcasts are streaming. You can also check out ageofradio.org, which is our podcast syndicate we're a part of, to find many, many other podcasts of all kinds of varieties and uh, merchandise and all kinds of fun stuff. You can also join our Patreon. It costs, uh, at the minimum, $1 a month, which you get nothing but a crisp high five if we ever see you. Uh, for $2 a month, you get ad-free regular episodes. And for $5 a month, you get a bonus true crime episode every month uh, with obviously no ads. So I'd like to thank you again for listening. And uh, with that, I guess we'll be talking to you next time. And stay strange. Whoa.